The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com. First there was John Benet Ramsey. Then there was Jonathan Lipnicki. Then there was John Wilkes Booth. Already being deemed a modern classic. Do not be alarmed. Make no indication that this advertisement is compromised. We are the Mission Commission, a cabal formed to subvert the worldwide government. Each week, we lock two unsuspecting geniuses in a room and force them to invent, solve, and innovate. Ensure humanity's progress. Subscribe to Your One Mission on iTunes. Your program will resume shortly. Tune into the Nerdist School Network for an exclusive listen to Johns with Johns. And now back to your podcast. The Navis and Frank present a comic book podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Novice and Frank comic book podcast. I'm Amanda. I'm the novice. I'm Frank. I'm the Frank. That's right. He's the novice. He knows everything. Uh, we're going to talk today about Kingdom Come. Ooh, based Ooh. on another Nerdist School podcast. That's right. Yeah, suggestion uh, from Sam, from uh, from Sam, from Rachel and Sam read a story. So check out the Nerdist podcast. Uh, we're going to jump right into that suggestion. But first, we've got to do our traditional, very popular opening that we're known for. Yes. Our improvised theme song. <laughs> Great. Captain Adam cracked his shell. He blew up. In a trying time, it's the future, not too unlike our future now. Clark Kent is a farmer. He doesn't wear a costume anymore. And Wonder Woman got exiled. What's up with that? Her hair is turning gray. But she's still hot. We are the novice <laughs> and Frank. Wow. <laughs> so I don't even think we need to discuss it now because we just hit all the high points that was, in yeah, that song. That's it. So anyway, guys, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Follow our band. <laughs> Get a band together. That's right. After the first year, Amanda and I will be touring. That's right. Yeah, we're so, coming up. Coming up. So yeah, um, if you have any local assemblies, mm-hmm. uh, school assemblies, <laughs> we do uh, we do K through twelve assemblies. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, any Girl Scout uh, cookie sales at like local grocery stores, we'll stand out there in the parking lot with them. <laughs> we will. And you know what's great about that is we'll do it just for pay, being paid in cookies. That's not, what. What better payment is there? There is no maybe pie. Oh yeah. Okay. Pay us some pie. Pay, pay us some pie. pie. We, we are. We are there. I think this should now be our, our slogan should be "Pay us in pie." The novice and Frank pay us in pie. <laughs> should be it. That'd be perfect. <laughs> uh, let's do a thing where we just go to different pie establishments and start singing in front of them and ask them to pay us in pie to leave. We'll <laughs> I leave feel like if that, you give us a slice. That might actually be more successful. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's a plan. Anyway, as long as we're just getting pie given to us, mm-hmm. I'll yeah. do whatever it takes. Me too. <laughs> it's, this is going to go to a really dark place. Oh, how was your Thanksgiving? We haven't seen each other since then. My, well, I but mine was incredibly lackluster. Okay. Uh, you gallivanted uh, internationally. I did. I went to Mexico. It was very fun. Mexico. Mexico, as the locals say. That's right. That's uh, right. I, as you know, my, my brethren. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. <laughs> your brethren? Yes. Are my you, brethren. Are you from, is your family from Mexico? Oh, yes. See. Si. See. Si. Really? See. Si. Moran? Yes, it's very Mexican. Very name. Mexican yes. name. Okay. All right. Strong Latino heritage. Okay. The Morans. I, I you're lying, but uh but okay. Moran. Moran. <laughs> Moran. You got to right. throw that R. It's very important That's to right. people. Yeah. I don't know, it was very lackluster. So, yeah, I, I, did yeah. you have all the traditional Thanksgiving goodies? No. Uh I had a uh, a child that passed out uh at six o'clock. And uh, a gal pal that uh, passed out uh, about nine o'clock. 
Uh, oh. So it was. Well, it sounds like they did Thanksgiving properly. Did you? But I mean, did you eat all the traditional Thanksgiving stuff? No, we had uh, four cheese risotto and some garlic bread. Oh, that sounds good. Um, did yeah. you make it? Uh, yeah, well, Erica did. Okay. So yes. Sounds delicious. Wow. And then uh, yeah, so the little one passed out. We put her to bed. Then she woke up. And then she was up all night. So it was good stuff. <laughs> What that's what you're thankful for. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. She's four? Four. She just turned four at the beginning of the uh, last month. Happy birthday. Mm, That was a great day. (laughs) Great day. We did it. We did it, everybody. Good job. Yes. Yeah, you're raising a human. There you go. We took her to see Moana, though. I have not seen that yet. How was it? Uh, uh, I've seen it twice. Okay. So uh, so good enough to see it a second time. You know, there, no, it is good. There are some cliche moments in there, which you you always kind of hope that, hey, Disney, you maybe want to try to, you know, Break the twist the mold mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe not break it entirely, but do something a little different for those. Uh, but it comes with just a couple of cliche beats at the end. You're like, got it, all right, yeah. cool, thanks. Yeah. But I mean, the music's good. I mean, I like that. There's not a, any kind of like love relationship. It's just two people working together to achieve a goal. Which so, is cool. Yeah. yeah. Did you see Zootopia? I did. Zootopia is amazing. Really enjoyed that. And that's Disney, but it didn't feel like Disney, and it didn't get promoted the way a lot of Disney movies was. I think that that Disney movies have been. I think it it kind of snuck up. I think like I don't think it had the the turnout in theaters that it should have. Maybe. And I know that it was like a whole. Did it? Good. Good. I didn't see it till after it was already out, and then I was like, this should be required viewing for every adult in America. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I thought that was really great. I don't know why I'm off on this tangent. I just wanted to say something nice about Zootopia. That's yes. all. No, no, it, there was the <laughs> the, uh, the scene with the sloth at the DMV. Oh was my great. gosh, so funny, Flash. Yes, so good. There's so, a lot of nice stuff about that. Yeah, so funny. Well, yeah. I guess it's tangentially related because you know I always think animation is just moving comic books. Oh well, look at that. Mm-hmm. As and you work in animation, so you know all about it. Yeah, I'm an expert. Uh, now, how close are you? Because uh, you know you work on Web. Amanda works on Wabbit mm-hmm. uh, for uh, for Cartoon Network. For yeah, it's, it airs on Cartoon Network. It's a Warner Brothers production, but it airs on Cartoon Network uh, and Boomerang. And it's really cool. She works over there at the Warner Brothers, uh, one of the Warner Brothers offices, where they have a lot of the ad- other animation sh- animated shows working there mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so, how close are you to Justice League action? They are down the hall. Great. So. Yeah, so Great. so cl- and the, and I can like they're they're nearby. The bigger question is why am I not working on that show? I don't know. You got to make some calls. That's right. Yes. Who do that- you who do you know in animation that you could call? Uh, Amanda Barnes. Oh, okay. Well, I hear she's not good at anything. <laughs> have you seen any footage? Uh, no, I have not. I've not seen. Actually, mm, that's a lie. I saw we had a uh, like a show and tell at work, and they um showed like little teasers from each show that was kind of a compilation like a little sizzle reel from each show and the stuff I saw looked super cool oh mm-hmm. it, it, I am ex- I think it's gonna finally it debuted last month in the UK Cartoon Network yeah man it's one of these things where, like if you live in Canada you can see all of my show all of season one on Netflix right now on Canada but they haven't even aired all of it here in the States they, they basically stopped and then started recycling like the same six episodes over and over again and that's all that people have seen of the show which is kind of a bummer because I don't think that this is my personal opinion it's not a r- opinion of Warner Brothers or any of its affiliates I have to say that but it's true um, I think that the beginning of season one for us doesn't I don't think match the tone of the show as it currently stands and I don't think it matches even like the second half of 
of the first season. I think it's a really, and that's not to be dismissive of, of the beginning of that season. I think it's just very different than sort of where we wound up. And I think we wound up in a really great place. Well, I would think that you just kind of, you know, uh, you fine tune your concept as you start going through. So you could be You hope to. Yeah, you yeah. hope to. It's always really sad. I feel like when you see a show or anything, if you, you know, read a, read a comic book series, you see a show and it has such an amazing start and then it go, just goes down and it fizzles. Yeah, you feel like that you had like one good idea mm-hmm. and then you don't know how to carry that out as a series or just a concept. That's right. And I think it can be anything, right? It can be executive notes. It can be network notes. It can be... Um, anything that, you know, people are like, well, people aren't responding to this. Change it, <laughs> you know, rather than maybe just putting it at a different time or um, or whatever. So I don't know. I would love I, I would love to see, like, how much – I feel like there's got to be more freedom with comic books than there is with the television media. Well, absolutely. But, I don't, but at least, I mean, it gives you can self-publish. Self-publishing, I but. think that makes that – so that you have total creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so – and especially if you get hooked up with – Top Cow or Skybound or Image or yeah. uh, even like uh, I think like Boom Dark Horse where you can do more creator and titles with you know you might have some editorial assistance mm-hmm. but I mean it's basically your vision there maybe you maybe have an editor on there just to kind of keep the trains running in terms of scheduling and stuff right. make sure it gets put out on time mm-hmm. maybe fi- maybe as a sounding board for the for the writer mm-hmm. or the writer artist depending on what it is I, I feel like sometimes the challenge for working for like DC or Marvel is that there's always those big crossovers. Especially with Marvel, there and it seems like there's much more of an agenda, right? That you've got to try to service certain points yeah, throughout the year. Yeah, you got to factor in so many. I feel like when when you're writing something like that, like if you're writing Rebirth, for instance, any of the Rebirth, you got to check in with like twelve people. I feel like before you add a plot point, because it's tying into other storylines. Well, there was when DC did the New Fifty Two. There was mm-hmm. a lot of stories being written about how the DC editorial was so heavily involved with the the creating of those stories that they ended up souring a lot of creators who kind ended of broke up leaving. The, broke the soul a little bit. Yeah, and, and yeah. people like would leave the books and maybe leave the company and go look, at, go work at Marvel, go maybe come up with a creator-owned title, go elsewhere, mm-hmm. just because they just couldn't stand the, the constant, uh, oh, do this. No, 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 we changed our mind. Do this now instead. Oh, no, 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 wait, hold on. We're going to scrap all that and do this third thing. Like, yeah. Please, guys, I just want to write a book. I think that's – I'm finding that more and more with every job I've had where it's – you're lucky enough to basically be working on something artistic, but in a corporate landscape. I think that's the hard thing, right? It's like even, you know, even being like a, you know, like a tour guide, which sounds, you know, maybe funny to people, but there is some artistry there and there's, you know, hosting skills and there are these different things that you use. Anytime that you work with creative people and artists and then you have to kind of harness that creative energy, I feel like it takes such a gentle hand because you don't want – you want to keep people disciplined and if left to their own devices, you know, a lot of artistic people will just – they will come in and only work for a couple of days and then take a few – like, you know what I mean? You And if you're working in a corporate environment, you have to have everybody more on the same page. You have to keep more regular hours. But how do you do that without kind of breaking the creative spirit of those artists, you know? True. It's, it's a, I think it's a, it's a special type of artist that can kind of walk that line. And I say that with respect with respect because I'm not, I'm not a, um, a visual artist on my show. But I think that if you have people who um, are visual artists or who are writers or artistic and they're able to maintain that expression and that creativity but still stay uh, disciplined enough to maintain a regular schedule, to go to meetings and kind of be told how to do their jobs to an extent, I think that's so hard. I feel like being an editor is part like uh, making their trains run on time but also being like a counselor. Yeah. Because what works for one – 
creator to get them to finish may not work for another one. So you got to figure out where, how you, you know, what is the particular carrot for right. each individual creator. And you know a lot about that because you're a producer. Oh, gosh, Amanda. Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> but you are. And that's, I think that's such a, that's part of that skill set, right? Because you are working with artists and you're wanting to make sure that everybody is performing at their top I would imagine at their, you know, at their at their peak, but also in keeping on schedule and getting meeting their deadlines and stuff. But but you don't want to take away what makes them special and kind of kill the soul of the project. Yeah, so is that 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 push of how much is it? Like we need this now, and mm-hmm. then also realizing like they are they are working on this. They may not be moving as fast as you want, but they are doing it. So you've got to mm-hmm. be able to pull back sometimes on yourself and like, all right, I can't overwhelm them with just nagging because then right. that's just going to shut them down as well. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. Hmm. Well, look at that, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I I would, I don't know. I mean, I would think like any creator, uh, I think that's like the, the fine line though because you want, so many people who read comics grew up with reading a lot of DC and Marvel books as mm-hmm. a kid, like Superman, Batman, you know, Spider-Man, all mm-hmm. those characters. And then I could see it's enticing for some creators to finally have a chance to work on those, even though they may have their own ideas. But the idea, like, oh my gosh, I love Spider-Man growing up as a kid. Now I get a chance to write them. Yeah. These stories, uh, and then some people will get disillusioned by like, I just want to tell these stories, and then I had to worry about this big crossover event and how am I yeah. Spider-Man tied into that? Yeah. So sometimes it's great, and some some like Brian Michael Bendis, mm-hmm. uh, he's been going with Marvel for yeah, he started off as an independent creator, but loved those characters, moved over to Marvel, has been with them, gosh. T- since 2000? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, whenever Ultimate Spider-Man started. That was kind of his big entry into there. Hmm. Uh, so and that's somebody that, you know, he's became like really entrenched in Marvel. I mean, he still, they, it seems like the, the ultimate goal is that you get really entrenched in Marvel or DC, but then you still have enough clout where you can still do your own, create your own projects as well. Mm. That yeah. seems like the ultimate goal, I think. It's just like with anything else, isn't it? <laughs> like yeah, writing for yeah, anything. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, I want to still be plugged in it's where I can get a regular paycheck, but I also want to maintain my artistic integrity and do what I want to do and pick my projects. You know, that's kind of the, the holy grail, isn't it? Yeah, because I, I mean, part of that, you know, the headaches that you may have if a creator own title is like, well, are enough people going to read it? Mm-hmm. I, because for every Walking Dead or saga, there are many more that just like they're, they're great stories, but they right. don't get a lot of attention. Yeah. But if you work for Marvel or DC, I mean, you're getting a lot of eyes put on there. Yeah. Potentially, a lot of people buying your series, and you get the big push of Marvel and DC really pushing your books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's huge. It's great. Is it crazy? This is a side note, too. You're talking about growing up with comics. Isn't it crazy to you to think that, like, for instance, my brother, my little brother, could say, Well, I grew up with Deadpool. Oof. Isn't that weird? That seems, yeah, that does seem so weird to me. We're old. Yeah, we are. We're super old, man. I'm gonna crawl right into the grave. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's weird, right? It's like you think about. I mean, for me, it is. It's like those legacy characters, or the you know the ones that have withstood, you know, so much time. You know, you got Superman, and they've undergone all of these iterations, and all of these backstories, and all of these things, and he's still standing. He's like an oak, you know. Yeah. Superman's like an oak tree, um, and so is Wonder Woman. Uh, but then you've got these other characters that are these alt, very representative of the of a different generation and a different mindset and a different wry, dry humor, you know, that is now been around long enough to matter, you know, because, because Deadpool, I mean, the movie really blew him up, but he wasn't like brand new when the movie came out. No, he'd been around for, I mean, he, he, from, for me, it felt like he kind of wore out his welcome, but, yeah. uh, a little, a little of Deadpool can go a long way with me. Yes. <laughs> I actually didn't want to see the movie, even though I really like Ryan Reynolds. I didn't have any, I was like, oh, that looks so 
Um, it just doesn't look like a character that can carry a film. I think for a while there was that trend in television where you had like the ironic, de- ironically detached character. So, for instance, you're April in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Right. Who is very funny, and the character is very funny. Um, but I don't want to watch like you know. 24 minutes of just April carrying a show. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of shows that I saw that kind of got were like popular and then sort of fizzled um, were led with these characters that kind of just don't give a shit. And even she does. Like the character I think had nice development in, in Parks and Rec. I love Parks and Rec, by the way. I think that her character was like well-developed. But when you first meet her, you know, it's like, I don't care, whatever. And that's sort of what I was afraid Deadpool was going to be. Was kind of just be like fart jokes and meh. and <laughs> like I don't want to watch that for two hours, but I actually was delighted by the movie. Well, he's the really... merc with the mouth. He is, yeah. yeah that's yeah. really great. I feel like the the creative of new characters though is really decreased for Marvel and DC. Yes, because a lot of creators realize like, why am I giving away this great concept to you guys? It's no longer my creation; it's mm-hmm. your guys's. So yeah. I'll keep the really good stuff for myself. Go off and spin off and do my own series, and I'll just write. I'll just reuse these these staple of heroes and villains that you've created through the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. I feel like if you looked at the 90s, I'd say like maybe Deadpool and Cable might be the two biggest that have kind of like become like legacy, like really enduring characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you have characters like some people from the New Warriors, like Night Thrasher or Speedball. Well, Speedball, yeah, Speedball is the late 80s, early 90s, but some of the characters like that, which just kind of, you know, Float around in the bits of the Marvel Universe, but are just kind of like, eh, okay, yeah. Right. You know, like Sleepwalker. He'll show up every once in a while. It's more like a nostalgia. You know when somebody was a big, grew up in the 90s? Or really love that style. Because Sleepwalker shows up. Yeah, Sleepwalker show up. Oh, Night Thrasher. Oh, he's in this? Cool. All right. So you know you definitely grew up reading those books in the 90s. Yeah. And, and I think like the 2000s, it may have been like the Runaways and maybe the Young Avengers that uh, were both Marvel books. Okay. Uh, yeah. That introduced some new characters. Mm. But other than that, I really don't know of like two, and maybe uh, Jessica Jessica Jones. Okay, who now is of course having sort of a heyday with the Netflix series. Yeah, but yeah. she started off as a Max book, so I, I'm sure like Brian Michael Bendis has got some deal with her that even though it's a Marvel character, he's got some hold some on right her. To her. Yeah, you gotta really believe in your character if you're like I'm just gonna back pocket this and not give it to you know because the same character can be your launching off point within a big company like Marvel or DC. But yeah, right. Yeah, you don't own the the property anymore. They do, which I think could probably be really heartbreaking. Yeah, and I think it's different for somebody like Michael Bendis as opposed to like you or I going in right now. Right. Brian Michael Bendis had already been there for a while, mm-hmm. kind of really entrenched himself with mm-hmm. Marvel. It's shown that he was a, a a good creator to have on their side. So I'm sure he could make a deal where he still has some an own, an ownership of that character. A contract, yeah. As opposed to us, where it's like, oh, we get this great character, and they said, great, like, it's Thank ours. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> we'll see you later. It's Take a five hundred dollar buyout. <laughs> and you can only hope that it does get like a movie or a cartoon where the, at least Marvel's that you even about, have anything on the back end. Yeah, yeah. That they give you like, well, at least a created by. Please, at least give me a created by credit. Something, yeah. yeah. Or at least a special thanks in the, in the credits. <laughs> special give me thanks. a cameo, please. Cool. All right. Um. Well. Pulling it back, I guess, into Kingdom Come, this was from the early aughts, right? Uh, God, no, 90s. 90s. And you can 90s. check because you got these beautiful hardcover editions that are signed. Who are they signed by? Uh, well, signed by the creators of the book, Mark Wade and Alex Ross. Did you buy them signed or did you get them signed? I, I bought them signed. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, they did. For a while, like, say, like with uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths or Kingdom Come mm-hmm. or even like Dark Knight Returns, they did like a nice little, uh, like, in, uh, like, 
little special like leather bound it's so pretty they look like tiny bibles yeah well kind of fitting there given the yeah. uh, the, the, the uh, our our entry character uh-huh. our point of view character yeah. in this series the a man of the cloth uh so yeah so this came out gosh uh let's 1997 okay yeah so there you go late 90s all right uh <clears throat> So, I mean, certainly Mark Wade, Alex Ross. Alex Ross had teamed together with uh, Kurt Busiek and did this miniseries called Marvels for, uh, for Marvel Comics. And it was basically taking, like, the point of view of a photographer uh, through the early, is basically, like, seeing the world of Marvels be introduced through his eyes. Oh, that's so, cool. Is it a story or is it, like, a photo, like, a, a collection it of is, photos? It is a story uh, in a miniseries, kind of uh, starting off from, like, when the Fantastic Four first arrived, and you're seeing all these seminal events in the Marvel Universe, those the formations of the Marvel Universe, but seen through this this photographer's eyes. Okay. How, how the common folk re, uh, look at these marvels that have kind of descended upon them. Huh. So it was a really different change in perspective. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think, I mean, I know it was, it's interesting because I the last time we talked about um, that we, we when we said we were going to read Kingdom Come, Trevor piped up and he said, "Ooh." And you said that you're interesting giving that this was an interesting choice to somebody who was just getting started. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So did you think that I would like it or not like it? It's just, it's dense. Yes. And it basically is a culmination of the entire history of these characters. Yes. And so kind of coming into that is a lot to take in when you're coming in fresh. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was I was interested. I remember that comment stuck with me, but I didn't want to ask you about it at the time because I wanted to read it first and see. So... I would try to summarize this, but there's a lot going on because this is four parts and an epilogue, right? Yes. Okay. There's a lot happening. There's a lot that's packed into this story. Do you want to try to? And there's a lot of theology, like um, like a lot of theology uh, symbolism and things like that in there. Do you want to kind of try to summarize it for our, for our good friends? Well, I well, if you haven't read Kingdom Come, came mm-hmm. out in '97, you're truly missing out on well. I, I I have some thoughts about that, but basically, uh, you were in the future of the DC universe. So while uh, while uh, Alex Ross kind of worked with Kurt Busiek and did like the past of Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. he went over and teamed up with Mark Wade over at DC Comics, and all of a sudden was exploring a future of the DC universe. So kind of interesting that he made Alex Ross became like really blew up on Marvels, and so all of a sudden like his next project was going to be Kingdom Come. It's like, like the upside down. It's yeah. like the uh, same but opposite. That's right. He's like now he's exploring the future of the DC universe. Yeah. This is really crazy to see where these characters would go. What would life be like? Uh, so you're seeing it in the future. It's not a very happy place. You can kind of see real good. I think uh, excellent commentary on the 90s kind of state of comics and villain or heroes, anti-heroes, things like that, mm-hmm. where they've become the norm in that society. And our traditional heroes have kind of faded in the background, so to speak, have kind of, you know, like kind of just given up. Uh, so you see Superman, through circumstances that have happened to him throughout the course of the story, is kind of retired from the superheroic life, just tending to the Kent farm, doing his little thing, wearing his overalls like any good farm boy does. Uh, <laughs> as you do as you do uh, but you know it's like they can't he can't stay out of the action forever he's had some tragedy and he's kind of decided to you know push himself away from humanity and okay. realize nope he's got to re- he's got to embrace it he's got to take these young whippersnatches the world's falling apart with mm-hmm. all these kind of like freaky anti-heroes just kind of fighting amongst themselves mm-hmm. so it's up for like can Superman uh, kind of come back and reestablish uh, what it means to be a hero in society. Yeah, and it just there's so much. Yeah, you're right. That's a great. That's like a great summary. There's just there's so much going on though. It's like you got Superman versus goes up against Mr. Marvel. Yeah, right? Captain Marvel. Ca- Captain Marvel. Pardon me, Captain. Yeah, he's, Captain he, he earned his title. I, I apologize, Captain <laughs> Marvel. 
Uh, and you've got uh, the Wonder Woman that's been kind of cast out from the Amazons, and you've got, um, you know, s- stuff going on with Bruce Wayne, and his kid is now one of these um, kind of new heroes, right? And mm-hmm. you've got the lines blurred between good and evil, and and all this is kind of being told from the perspective of a of a minister. Yes. Or, yeah. Uh, I, I guess it's like a good way, like with along with Marvels, but you kind of just to take these super heroic concepts and hopefully easier to grasp or comprehend or have a point of entry in if you just do it through some some human that's kind of witnessing these things. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to have things, uh, a lot of exposition given to that person because mm-hmm. this person is a newbie like us to this to these larger events. So you can do a lot of info dump yeah. uh, as a way to like, oh, okay, that's what the deal is, gotcha. And we see the Spectre kind of guiding him through, showing him all these, these things. And I had to like figure out who Spectre was because I didn't know. Like Ooh. I was like, this guy must be somebody important. So I like Googled his name because I didn't know who he was. I, I guess you could think of him. Well, I mean, depending I was on like, his interpretation. Holy ghost! Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who you are. But he appeared to him first in a church. Yes, he appeared to him in the church. I mean, and Spectre's been around since he uh, looked. Gosh, early uh, late thirties. I mean, he looked like the Emperor from The Emperor Strikes Back. <laughs> That's what he looked like. <laughs> yeah, because I would almost think like depending on how they've kind of they, they they've kind of tweaked his like motivation slightly, but. I mean, he's basically in terms of like you know, like the wrath of God, so to speak. Okay. At least it's certainly in some. And that's st- actually his deal. In some of the traditions, yeah, he's there to to, to punish. Okay. Uh, the, so you can almost think of him sort of like as like the Ghost Rider, but like super scaled up in abilities and things like that. Okay. On a much more cosmic level than our good Spirit of Vengeance uh, Ghost Rider is. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so now he's trying to figure out like you know like the the fate of of humanity. Uh, you know what? Who, uh, and he's gonna have this reverend be uh, like, as he says, like you judge who lives, who dies. Yeah, yeah. Which is so interesting. They picked that guy. They picked the rev- that reverend. He's like, oh, okay. I, uh, I mean, I think it's. I think that's a common story where it's like these these really heroic moments, and it just takes you know like uh, just a ordinary guys in extraordinary circumstances. That's right. Yeah. Like, you know, you can, you've lost touch with mm-hmm. uh, the people you're supposed to be protecting and, and where you've come from. Yeah. It takes a simple reverend or any simple, you know, just like a simple down-to-earth, you know, human being to yeah. kind of remind people like, hey, this is what it means to be a human. They could come to you next. No. Not and be like, Frank, you have to decide. Who's got the better who's, pie? Who's got the better pie? Oh, that would be such a great competition. <laughs> <coughs> oh. If they, uh, if they come to you and ask that, you have to bring me with you. Yeah, okay. There you go. To do all the pie tasting. I know we got to taste this pie. Gotta and taste we taste all the decide. pie. That's amazing. Uh, I I have some uh, some thoughts about this, but uh, just as a as, as a series as a whole. Mm-hmm. But for you, kind of reading this as your first four, especially I mean you've written you've read some the rebirth titles. Mm-hmm. You've read some of the, like I had you read some of the the old Justice League and Justice Society crossovers, things like that. Mm-hmm. But this is really jumping into the far future with a lot of introduction of a lot of new characters, uh, legacy characters of heroes that we know of today, like the Flash's daughter. Yeah. Uh, so for you, was this like a lot of you going, I don't understand who these people are, what is going on? You know, I understood more of it than I thought that I would. Um, because when I started going through, I was like, okay, this store, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, and I was like, when is it going to simplify? And it didn't really, but I didn't feel as lost as I thought that I would. And I love the artwork. I think the art is really pretty. Yeah, I mean, Alex Ross is great. I mean, mm. uh, he does a great job of it doing all this stuff. I think that, that, that actually the way that the artwork is structured kind of helps keep the story structured. And I know that sounds like maybe I feel like that might be like a redundant statement. But sometimes, you know, when I think when the artist and the writer are, are hand in hand and everything 
goes so well together. The way that the panels are broken up, you know that you're seeing, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight heroes and their reaction, their their faces, their reaction to one thing happening. That says a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these eight little insets that that show you how every person is individually reacting to something traumatic. And it's it's nice because it cuts down on there being so much exposition, you Very know, dialogue-wise. So I think it's it's good. It's really expressive and easy to read, and the lighting is beautiful. It's uh, it, it's just like after reading like Marvels and Kingdom Come, I really fell hard for the Alex Ross style of art. And in fact, like if you looked at before I moved into the place where I'm at now, of my old place, uh, Warner Brothers used to do a lot of limited edition. Uh, Prints mm-hmm. of Alex Ross artwork that uh, that he was especially done for the war- design for Warner Brothers, and my place was littered with Alex Ross like frame prints oh, of really? different uh, DC characters. Uh, what happened to all of it? I still I still have it, oh, and okay. some of it is in storage. Some of it is uh, there's one Legion Superheroes that he did that I still have that's still up that I really enjoy, and I, out old Marvels like uh, an interpretation of the 70s Marvels characters that I have up as well too. Oh, that's but cool. I th- it was interesting, like my tastes have kind of changed and mm-hmm. while I still like his stuff, it's like the stuff that I probably wouldn't gravitate towards to as much now. Yeah, that's interesting. I it's I think for me it just feels different because I think that so much of the art I'm used to seeing is it looks like pen and ink and this looks to me like, like a colored pencil, mm-hmm. you know? And not, yeah, like I feel like I see a lot of like pen and ink or watercolor even occasionally. And this looks like um, like pencil or chalk. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's uh, it's just the the way that everything's layered. There's a lot of depth to everything. Everything has like everything's shaded. There's so much shading, you know, instead of having just like such a like a more limited palette, I guess. I'm not being very what I think is great about clear. this. There, <laughs> there are some artists, and for example, there's an artist that does a lot of work for Marvel, Greg Land, mm-hmm. who is really heavily, uses a lot of photographic references for his artwork, especially a lot of like, uh, uh, what is it, like porn, I don't want to say porn stars, but models, uh, whether it be swimsuit models, mm-hmm. uh, Playboy models, things like that is, uh, and then basically pretty much just kind of lifts those poses, kind of tweaks them slightly, but then uses those as pretty much his points for his panels. And they can look really static. Because uh, yeah. you can tell it just coming, they, you, he's not able to take that reference to kind of give life to it. Right. It doesn't look like he's taking a life drawing class. It looks like he's lifting from a photograph. Yeah. And yeah. Alex Ross, he also uses a lot of models as well. He'll, he'll bring in his own models and he'll shoot them and light them and things mm-hmm. like that the way he wants. But I feel like he's able to translate from a model to giving it a dynamic, uh, making the, the panels dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's so much, it's like a, a sense of, I feel like he knows lighting, mm-hmm. which is a really, to me, interesting. Because I, I, sometimes you see an artist and I feel, and I, I was a, I did art in college, um, oh, which is the you. only reason I can even like, like but like I loved anatomical drawings. I think it's, they're really interesting. And I would never, I can't for the life of me, like just think of something in my head mm-hmm. and draw it. I have to see it. He's like drawing boobs and I'm Like breasts. drawing like lots of boobs. Like boobs and penises. Yeah. <laughs> no, the penis is not the most beautiful thing to draw. Uh, well, you have been drawing it right. <laughs> Probably so. Um, but uh, yeah, but I think that you can always look. At the, some artists have such a beautiful grasp of anatomy, you know, and of muscle groups. And especially when you're dealing with somebody who a lot of these heroes are super skeletal, right? So they don't look like just your, like, but it's getting all the muscle groups right, but exaggerating them so that they're, that they look 
correct for a superhero, you know, in these giant dimensions, like something I would never, ever, ever be able to do. But I, yeah, I think that the thing that sticks out to me most in this book is the lighting. Yeah. It's not even the anatomy per se. It's the, there's like a, a different light source in every scene, which is um, great. No, I mean, Alex Ross, incredibly talented. And uh, so there's no, there's, I don't think there's any, you can't really say this like, oh my gosh, this artwork's just kind of phoned in. Right. Not a lot of time and of attention was was placed towards this to kind of bring it all to life. It, it holds together really well, even now. It's uh, it's not so much the artwork or anything like that, but I think just like the story itself, they kind of still, uh, I feel like there was a, there a time, like if you look at this or like uh, Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. uh, two big seminal pieces of work for DC Comics. And there's, I feel like, that need for people when they read just a story. Uh, like Dark Knight is for Batman's future. Mm-hmm. Kingdom Come, the future of the superheroes. And when it when fans really respond to that story, there's almost like a cry from fans, like, is this the real future? Is this the real future? Yeah. And uh, editorial feeling like that need, like, ooh, or even creators. Like, how can we give, like, subtle hints, like, ooh, yeah, this this could be the possible future. This could be leading towards The Dark Knight Returns, or this could be leading towards Kingdom Come. And I feel like I wish there wasn't such a, a bleed-through of trying to, like, tie this back into the DC universe. Oh, okay. You wish could, they would just let it be. Yeah, just let it exist as a story. This is great. It, 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 it's a future story of a Batman, future story of the DC universe. Let it just exist as its own thing mm-hmm. and never work because we're never going to get as a DC as a, as a publishing initiative is never going to get to these stories in their current lineup. You're never going to age Batman up throughout the years. Right. Batman's always going to be, you know, maybe in his early to mid 30s. Same thing with Superman. You're never going to you're never going to let them age normally mm-hmm. or at least a, a semblance of a normal aging rate. It's not going to be like uh, Gasoline Alley, like a comic strip character where you see the characters age throughout, throughout the course. The year. Yes. Yeah, in real time. So you're never going to get to these stories. I don't know that it would ever even occur to me to reach out to the, and be like, is this the real universe now? I, I don't think that would ever occur to me. Why do, why do you think people do that? Uh, because they really enjoy this and, and they want to feel like it counts in huh. some sense. They they, they seem, le- uh, they don't want to just accept it as a story. Like, oh, this is just a great little one-off story. No, I want to, this is a possible future. This is really cool. How are we like, what can we see now in the current lineup? Oh, okay, so it's more for them like wanting to keep it going. Yes, they can kind of okay. like, ooh, this is going to be the future. We're working towards this. Okay. And creators and editorial will kind of give you hints and tweet teases. Like there was a uh, big thing after this that Mark Wade and uh, did like a continuation called The Kingdom. Uh, Alex Ross wasn't involved with it, mm-hmm. but uh, Mark Wade kind of did a spinoff where uh, those characters came back uh, in time uh, from Kingdom Come to the present day to help out and prevent some things from happening. And it felt like... Uh, did we go back to the well? Should we have done that? Was it really worth it? I don't know. Yeah. And I felt like, and that was just a chance like, oh, how can we like show that like, yeah, this is you know tied into our bigger, greater DC universe now. The things you're reading now could lead up to that. So keep watch, keep reading all these books because you never know. Almost like a little teaser. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like that was kind of frustrating. I didn't like what that did where everything now, everything had to count as part of the current continuity. Right. It just couldn't be its own thing. Hmm. No, I think that's fair. Well, I i mean, you've got the hard, no, fancy no, no. hard copy, so I, well, you'd this, clearly recommend it. Well, I clearly recommend it, and it's great. I mean, they the uh, gosh, I mean, this I bought this when it first came out. So uh, it was a nice, like, hard, uh, double-bound leather edition with its own slipcase. Yeah. One is the actual story. The other one is this little, uh, uh, little uh, 
auxiliary book there where it's got like a little supplemental material. Okay, cool. A lot of the character designs, a lot of thoughts from uh, Alex Ross. I was thinking uh, about that being like bonus content. Bonus content. Mark Wade and Alex Ross talking about some of the ideas what they had, like where uh, they came up with the idea for the epilogue, mm-hmm. where uh, Alex Ross had the idea like, oh, they should be meeting at the end and talking. And Mark Wade knew, oh, I know exactly what they'll be talking about. Like they both had two different ideas. But they kind of filled in each other's gaps. That's cool. And they were able to kind of come up with that nice epilogue. Yeah, a good partnership. Yeah. That's neat. Cool. Uh, interesting, though, that they never really worked again together. Like, um, I think it's like, well, it just flew too close to the sun the first time. You can't hit that brilliance again. There was a little bit of sourness when they did oh. that sequel again that came yeah. out, and Alex Ross was not involved, and he kind of distanced himself. And I feel like that kind of really kind of soured the relationship between the two of them in terms of, of being collaborators. Do you know anything about why he wasn't involved? Do you think maybe it was just like, nah, I kind of want to let it lie? And the other guy's like, no, we have to do another one. And he's like, do it if you want, but I won't be involved. And yeah, then... and I don't know if it necessarily was Mark Wade saying, yeah, we got to do it. I also feel like it was also like DC saying, hey, this yeah. is such a huge success for us. What's a way that we can kind of revisit this? Mm. Where, Where is like, uh, you know, how can we continue the story in some fashion? And did you read that? I did read it. And it was called The Kingdom. And mm-hmm. I guess I said it was like it was uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman coming back from the age of Kingdom Come back into the present DC universe. Okay. Uh, and trying to change some things uh, and help out there. And it's like, eh, it was okay. Yeah. Uh, I, the one thing that kind of led into is that it did uh, reintroduce the idea that Superman of uh, uh, Earth 2, who died in crisis, supposedly died in crisis on Infinite Others, mm-hmm. was still around. So that was kind of cool. I am so, this is a side note, and we can deal with this on another podcast because I know we got to wrap up soon. I am so confused with the whole Superman thing. Superman dead, not, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the In the current thing. DC lineup? Yeah, I don't understand it. I... Do you, we can, you know, uh, we don't have to do it uh, in the next podcast, but if we want, we can do a little Superman deep dive just to the DC rebirth stuff, and we'll try to figure it all out. We'll see. Do you. they deal with all that? In the, so is that, but he, because he's died more than once, right, now? He's died now. He's died yes. in the rebirth, but he's also died before. Is that he, well, Infinite he, he Earth? Di- he died. Infinite Earth. He's died. Uh, or in the death of Superman. That's a big famous thing, the, right? Yeah. In uh, Christ on Infinite Earths, it was uh, well, Superman didn't die. He kind of went away. He kind of uh, got his final resting place. But that was a Superman at Earth too. Then he came back uh, in a in a story, and he got killed. He got pummeled to death by Superboy Prime. Oh God! That was a terrible, terrible ending for that. That was on Infinite Crisis. Yeah, what we a terrible should talk end for about that. that at some point because I keep trying, and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, the Superman of DC New Fifty Two, he died, and the Superman from pre New Fifty Two is now back in DC Rebirth. Well, That's that Superman. Why do people keep acting like it's a big deal? He keeps dying, like every run. There's, you're gonna have Superman die at some point. I feel like it sounds like. Well, I don't know. my thing is like uh, too many. There was a lot of stuff right before DC uh, the New Fifty Two, where it'd be a lot of uh, Superman crying. Like, for some reason, people really love to do, like, these big events, and it would always be, like, Superman in the promo pieces. Like, like he's, he's crying. tears like, of sadness. Please, no more Superman crying. No more Superman crying. I don't need to see that. Ugh. You think it's because you're repressing something? I don't know what you're talking about, Amanda. Oh, my gosh. It's already time we have to wrap up this podcast. Uh, so this is, I mean, a, a, as Trevor was saying, just, like, a really just a deep cut mm-hmm. of uh, late 90s comics. Yes. And a kind of, like, just a commentary on the state of, like, 90s comics, both DC and Marvel, and even, like, uh, Image Comics to an extent, too, where, you know, there's, like, people, a lot of people with guns and weapons and ammo, like, uh, um, Magog, who's just basically, like, a commentary on that, that kind of, uh, like, the cables of yeah. the Marvel Universe, things like that. Uh, so is that would did you enjoy it though? Yeah, I did. I did enjoy it. And I would uh I kinda wanna like reread it when I understand more. 
when I know more things. I kind of want to come back and be like, oh, yeah, that guy. I know who that guy is. That's not the emperor. That's another – that's the – what's the specter? A specter. Yeah. I'll know that right off the bat. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like this one a lot. Uh, I, yeah. Did you if you had to, if you had to choose which one you enjoyed the more the writing or the art I'm guessing the art I like all the ideas and for me that's so much of that is the it's I usually credit that to the writing but I know that they collaborated so closely so um, I think the art is I think the art's really pretty They're, but, uh, uh, but I do like the writing I like all the I like the the concepts that are in here uh, I can't help but uh, DC had released through their um, uh, audio division a, uh, uh, a book on tape of Kingdom Come. Oh. Where they did a whole big audio presentation of this miniseries. Yeah? And uh, Seems like so difficult. How is it? I, I enjoyed it. There were just moments in there that the hearing read aloud, and they added the sound effects and all that kind of stuff. They mm-hmm. really brought a, a full audio narrative to this, so it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but like those moments at the end where he's uh, the bomb is being dropped and he's you know Shazam and Spectre's giving Norman Kay that big speech. Yeah. Only you can decide, Norman. Only you can judge. I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, there's parts of that that are just like when I read this book, I just hear that audio. That play. voice in yep. your head. That's so there funny. There you go. Yes. Oh man. Well, yeah. So this was Kingdom Come. This is and yes. thank you so much, Sam from Rachel and Sam Read a Story. So that's another one of our. Uh, it's kind of one of our sister nerdist podcasts. I owe them an apology because they asked me to be on their most recent podcast and read a story with them. And I was really excited about it. I was looking forward to it. And then Sunday, when I was supposed to do it, my ceiling fell in, in my apartment. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, I just got over that flood. Yes. This all sounds so stupid to anybody that that doesn't know me. But, yeah, so I had stuff in my living room that hadn't been yet moved back into my bedroom after the carpet got replaced from it flooding a month ago. And I walked out Sunday, and part of the ceiling in my living room had f- collapsed and fallen on the floor. And I was like, oh, man. And I didn't know, you know, how long it was going to I didn't really know anything, so right away I texted him, and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but my ceiling is on the floor, and I'm going to need to deal with this. So I ended up not being able to make it because the workers were in the apartment till late. And I feel really bad. So I hope that they hear this and know that I really wanted to be there. And I'm well, sorry. And they had I me back. They will, I hope you can reschedule. Me too. I really want to do it. Um, so thank you, uh, Sam, so much for recommending Kingdom Come because I really enjoyed it. And I know Frank was excited to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, for, I have So I have another uh, uh, fan of our um, podcast recommended something. Ooh, all right. This is, so if I say X Factor issue number 87 to you, does that mean anything to you? X Factor 87. That is not. Is that the Peter David? No, that's no, that's too. It's late. Peter David. Oh, Peter David. Oh, we're, they're sitting down for the therapy session. Okay. Yes. So it's, yes. it's apparently very interesting because it's different than the rest of the series. It is. It's uh, where they're all kind of sitting there and kind of getting. I don't want to say it's like psychoanalyzed, but right. kind of. Uh, so it's a nice, great character pieces where you get into kind of see how these characters tick, especially Peter David, how he's interpreting how these characters are going to tick, okay. and his. Uh, what he does with Quicksilver in there, I thought was really cool. Okay. I have not read that, but that one was recommended by RC. Ooh. Uh, and so if you want, we can do that. And I know it's so, that's what's so weird to me is that it's number 87. It's so specific. And see, when I say 87, you knew it more or less like what it, what well, it was. Well, especially, yeah, for that for that big, because uh, it's, it's a really cool story. Okay. So would you want to read that and or issues around it? Yeah, why don't we uh why don't we do like the like uh, the five issues of like the the Peter David run cuz okay. we can do like uh, he he did a longer run but okay. we can just do like five issues of it. Okay, which is all that yeah, uh, that time. Yeah, that that time, yeah. Okay. So I, th- I think I'll double check on um 
the the Marvel Unlimited app to see because eighty seven if that was the first issue or he had a couple issues before that and then that ended and then so whatever it is we'll do kind of whether it's that's the first we do four more or it's kind of sandwiched in between a couple issues okay great so we'll so do yes. like the five issues of his run yeah great so that's for RC hope you're excited and um, so X Factor and then you just said it was Marvel because I really Correct. don't know anything about it so does this mean X Men uh, it is in the Martin Marvel Mutant Universe okay. side of things so. This is uh, well in this in this iteration of X Factor. They work for the government. They're like kind of like the government-sanctioned mutant force. Okay, which is like what uh, Captain America wants. Yeah. Oh, well, this is before Captain America got involved with that. That is with the government saying, "Hey, we want some mutants working for the government that are going to make sure the mutants aren't getting up to no good." Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you've got Havoc. You've got Polaris. You've got Quicksilver. I've uh, Strong Guy. Wolfsbane. His name is Strong Guy. Yes. That's. A bummer. No, it's really great. Strong guy. Strong guy. Man. Is it one word like fungi? No, true guy. Two two words. Two words. Strong guy is his name. That's right. They couldn't come. Up, well, I guess Superman. And, is and he's got a great Super, little, just little, you know, just little tuft of white hair. It's great. <laughs> great at the front. Is he? Is it ironic? Like, is he called strong guy, he's, but he's actually just like his power is like the power of flight and crying. Like, uh, what's <laughs> strong? Just means more about his sense, of, you know, his smell. He's really, oof, he's, he just reeks. Yeah, mm. no, he's very much of the uh, the tiny, tiny torso, large, large man kind of like so tiny legs, big, huge, massive chest. Okay, kind of guy. All right, well, get excited. I'm jazz. So yes. we're gonna read that next time. Thank you so much, RC, for the recommendation. And speaking of recommendations, if people, uh, our listeners, would yeah. love to recommend something for us to read and talk about, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us. Uh, they can tweet at us if they like. They can tweet at me at uh, at uh, Comic Book Novice on Twitter. Uh, let me know on Instagram. If they want to get hold of both of us. They can hashtag uh, the Novice and Frank, um, or email us if they don't want to make it public. Mm. And I, then I get it. They can email us privately. At uh, the novice and frank at gmail.com. Even it, though we'll out them. That's uh, yeah, we will out them. Well, you know, if they want their handle and stuff, that's true. Like, get a little shout out. We'll shout out, or yeah. they can have it be anonymous. That's fine. Whatever you guys <laughs> From want. From an anonymous listener. <laughs> that's right. Where can they find you, Frank? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Happy Go Jackie, uh, and then just look around, you guys. I'm just, I'm just out there. You're like Santa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> go to your local mall. I'll be sitting there uh, begging people to take photographs with me. And their kid. Yeah, and their kid. Yeah, like you sit in my lap, take a photo. It's not creepy at all. Not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks so much for the Nerdist uh, School and their podcasting That's booth right. here. Nerdist and thanks for Trevor. Yay, for Trevor. Rocking the engineering He's on this. favorite. Yeah, And absolutely. so I, uh, that does it for this exciting episode of The Novice and Frank. But I guess yeah, we have to end it the only way we know how. With a song. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Kingdom come, pum pum, kingdom come, pum pum. Lot of fun, lot of fun. Reading it and talking about it. Looking at the futuristic fashion. We recommend, both of us recommend, kingdom come. We are the novice and Frank. Well done. That was a, uh, a little plug and a song. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.